0: Welcome to Chowder and Grits. Today is Thursday, February 7th, and we are recapping National Signing Day. So it is that time of year where you get to see some uh, crazy videos. You get to see moms throwing fits because their son didn't choose LSU, uh, and they went to Alabama instead. You get to see guys throwing on hats. You get to think about what's going to happen in the future but really we have no freaking idea what these players are going to turn into and and that's kind of the uh the crazy fun thing about it so um at the end of the day it's a bunch of kids um, making decisions about where they're going to go to school and uh, we're going to recap everything that happened in the acc so before that tim Hurth, what is happening
1: You know, not a whole lot today was exciting in the football news department, obviously, because of Signing Day. But how dare you forget the most time-honored tradition of National Signing Day, and that is the last-minute flips that cause mid-45-year-old men, you know, men in their mid-40s, to completely trash and besmirch the names of 18-year-old kids. It's beautiful. You know, I I love the flips because...
0: I I just love to see people freak out about it. It's like, listen, (laughs) these guys are eighteen years old and you're on the Twitterverse and you're like, Oh my god, this this guy he's he's going to this school, how could he? You know, he's dead to me. It's like, dude, like shut shut your mouth. You know, it's like this guy's making a decision about where he's going to play football. It's like, okay, he didn't choose your school. He, you know, he went against your school. Whatever the situation is, it's like, guess what? He didn't do it for you there, buddy. So chill out. I can't
1: even commit to a brand of deodorant and I'm 31. Come on.
0: Come on. Yeah, I mean, deodorant is, uh, I I have no commitment to deodorant.
1: No. Uh, No, I don't either. I
0: would. I would never put a ring on deodorant. It's whatever's on sale. You know, that's what i That's I'm right.
1: Buying. It's it's whatever's on sale. I pop the cap off, I take a sniff, and it works. You know, if it smells like something that's going to work for me, it'll work for me. Um, you know, sometimes I feel like maybe at this age I should have a go-to deodorant, you know, but I don't. You know, I have commitment issues.
0: Yeah, so uh, people that didn't have commitment issues, Tim, were people going to the University of Alabama. So big shocker there. Uh, Alabama reels in the top rated class not surprising based off of the ratings and the point system which I am not going to get into they have arguably the top rated class in the history of college football it has to be right coming in so I think it had something like a 95 rating what that means I don't really know don't really care it means they have a lot of good players coming to the school. So, at the end of the day, Alabama's got a lot of talent. Is that anything new? Absolutely not. I think uh, some of the things that stood out was the SEC had 11 out of the top 25 uh, top 25 rankings as far as recruiting classes go yeah. this year, which is uh, which is impressive. Depends on what list you're looking at, but. Um, you know, it, it just shows that the SEC is on a little bit of a different level than everybody else. Just comparing it to the ACC, they had two in the top 25. If you look at the ESPN ranking, um, and if you want to throw in Notre Dame there as a, uh, you know, honorary member, they'd have three. So, yeah. um, But that being said, I think the ACC did pretty well on the recruiting front. Uh, basically, sure. every school is within the top 70. Um, Some schools did better than others, obviously, as is the case every year, but uh, we're going to jump into that. So, uh, Tim, before we get started, anything on the national landscape that really kind of jumped out at you?
1: Yeah, it's weird you mention it. Uh, Just a cool little factoid. I was browsing some recruiting classes today, and I noticed Alabama's uh, 247 rankings, uh, all but one of their players is a four-star or higher this year. All but one. That one player who's not a four-star or a five-star is a three-star Justin. And do you know what position he plays? Quarterback? He's a kicker. And he's the number one kicker in the nation. So, Hmm. if you're talking about strength in classes, that's incredible. Alabama is, is doing Alabama things out there in that recruiting trail. And you have to think this is the best recruiting class we've seen in college football to date. Um, so yeah, good for Alabama. Um, you know, I I have noticed on Twitter and everything, the uh, social media presence has really stepped up for a lot of the schools out there. I was seeing a lot of really cool recruiting videos and, uh, not to get into ACC stuff already, but just shouting out what Virginia Tech was able to do with their commitment videos, um, showing these guys putting pads and helmets on and running out of the tunnel is just, it's so cool. I wish they'd do one of those for me, man. Oh, you don't have one of those? No, I need one.
0: Oh, okay. Um, Well, yeah, you know, I think it's just the new dynamic of what's happening in sports today and media and, you know, trying to appeal to a younger audience. So I always think it's kind of funny to see, like, Justin Fuente come up and tap a commit on the shoulder that this kid's already committed to ohio state but like he's he's got this little grain of hope that he's gonna flip at the last second which in this case he did thank god they had a video ready to go because if not i don't know what they would have done but uh you know i think uh you know it's just part of marketing these days you know you gotta you gotta be a little bit flashy even when you know Certain programs aren't traditionally that way, but, you know, I think if you take a look at the top 10 in the, uh, as far as the recruitings go, the recruiting rankings, that is, not anything that's really different, and I think I'll talk about that a little bit later, but, you know, you've got Alabama 1, you've got Georgia 2, Texas, Texas A&M 3 and 4, LSU, Oklahoma, Oregon, Michigan, Florida, Clemson. Now, I think the only surprise there is Clemson's all the way down at number 10. Yeah, but if you look at Clemson, historically, they've got, out of the last nine seasons, they've been in the top 10 15 times, and they've never had a top five recruiting class. So, wow. well, I shouldn't say that. They, they've never had a top three recruiting class, depending on right. the ranking you're looking at. So, they typically hover in that 10, that kind of that 12 to like seven range is where they really kind of find their sweet spot. But at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. Like, you know, at the, you, you, you've got a top 10 recruiting class. You've got so much talent coming into your program. Like now it's on the coaches. So -hmm. there's no reason that a Clemson, there's no reason that an Oregon, which I don't know how Oregon is still pulling in top 10 recruiting classes, to be honest with you. Um, (laughs) Texas A and M has been pulling in top five recruiting classes for years, and they haven't done anything with it. Texas is sure. the same thing. Sure. You know, georgia has been there; they just haven't uh, haven't won the big game. Alabama's obviously always there. Um, so, I mean, you know, there's a lot of schools here that are always in the in the top five, the top ten, and and they're just not executing. So, I this is this is what I'm saying with a word of caution for recruiting day you know it's good to get excited oh my my school had this ranking and they had this player and that player and okay well did you realize that this year was the lowest rated recruiting class that miami has had in i don't know since 2011 since the randy shannon era what does that matter They've been terrible since then, except for mm-hmm. one season. So, the end of the day, it's about the players you bring in. It's about the players that fit your system. It's about the coaching job that you do. It's about the needs that you need to fill. And if teams aren't doing that, if they're bringing in the same positions, they're bringing in skilled players that you know they already have a bunch of, if they're not filling gaps in their team, if they're not you know, paying attention to who's walking onto their squad, they're going to be hurt. So... When we look back on these classes in four or five years, you know, yeah, we might see we might see fifty of the ESPN three hundred that really kinda of panned out. And I guarantee the rest right. of you the rest of them might might have been good players, might have been okay. And I bet a bunch of them fizzled out. So yeah. at the you, you never know how these guys are gonna adapt to the college game. I never get overly excited about anybody that's that's coming to the program because i know that the second they're on campus it's a game changer so they're going to have to adapt they're going to have to learn a completely different style of play they're going to have to do a new learn a new eating regimen they're going to have to learn new workout plans they're going to have a college level workload of classes to deal with they're going to have school school they're going to have practice constantly so it's uh there's so many different uh more things to think about that's unsimilar to the high school game so um, I think that's always something to look out for. So a lot of these guys will not be on the team in two years and three years. Um, yeah, at least at some of your kind of mid-level programs and even at your higher level programs, like, you know, you bring in three, four top, uh, top recruits in the defensive backfield. Some of those guys probably aren't going to play and they're going to move on. So, I don't know what you think of the whole recruiting thing, but that's kind of like my thought. And I always take it with a grain of salt. I'm not looking at it negatively, but I'm also not overly optimistic either.
1: Yeah, I mean, it is what it is, right? I mean, I think you can tell the direction of a lot of programs and kind of use it as a way to predict the future of some of these programs. I think the recruiting rankings, as they are, are a fairly good indicator of of setting your expectations and, you know, kind of getting the pulse of a program. Um, and all these rankings are a leading indicator, right? These people aren't in school, so if you see people jumping up the rankings now, it might not be till, you know two years down the road before we see the, the programs sort to follow suit with winning records and things like that. It is a bit of a crapshoot, um, but then again, the, the top fives and the top tens you see in these recruiting rankings that are perennial there, perennially there typically have sustained success because they are bringing in such high levels of talent. I mean, like you said, a lot of these big-time guys will still be whiffs. There will still be misses. This isn't a sure thing, um, you know, and we'll see some of these two- and three-stars on these lists that come up and, you know, they're the next Bradley Chubb or, um, you know, what have you in the NFL draft that's going, you know, in the top five pick started out as, as a two- and three-star. So you have a lot of those diamonds in the rough, which are what makes this so cool, um, but also looking at how some programs are, are kind of, maybe inching up and and jumping in tiers as far as what we think of them Uh, for example I noticed when I was looking at the rankings earlier today Purdue actually signed a top 25 class which was crazy to me Um, granted a lot of that was because of the bulk you know they have 26 commits which makes it a fairly large class Um, but you know they're bringing in uh, four-star athletes over there to Purdue Um, you should see them start to turn heads in the Big Ten in in a bigger way than they have been recently and uh, Jeff Braum is, is having some sustained success there now on the recruiting trail, which is pretty crazy considering where Purdue, Purdue was in fairly recent memory. Um, so that's really what I like about the rankings too, is kind of digging through and seeing you know, what programs are going well. No surprise, Scott Frost pulled in a top 20 class at, at Nebraska, um, but cool to see from him given the fact that the uh, the football team didn't perform so well on the field and um you know, it's just interesting to see the, the programs kind of stepping up in the rankings, such as Indiana at 38. I have no idea how Indiana is even at the top 50 in recruiting, um, but they're there. And, you know, maybe we'll see a, a change in fortune for the whole state of Indiana when it comes to college football. But I'm like you, none of this is, is guaranteed. It's just a fun thing to speculate on and um, look at a couple of guys and get excited to see them come play football in the fall here.
0: Yeah, so let's go ahead and jump into the ACC rankings, and we are going to go in descending order. So let's start with the bottom. And I don't think it's any surprise, somewhat disappointing, but at the end of the day, uh, when Mr. Satterfield came to town, the Louisville Cardinals only had eight guys committed, and by the time the early signing period started, they had lost four of those guys. So, um, they had a lot of work to do, but they literally went from like the 132nd rated class. And I think there's only 131 or 130 FBS schools. So they were literally (laughs) at a FCS level, uh, up to the 68th, 68th class, um, which isn't bad. You know, they did land the, uh, an ESPN 300 recruit in Mm -hmm. Judarian Boykin, um, who is a defensive end, and then yep. they just kind of loaded up on a number of three stars that uh you know basically any player that they added filled an area of need, so obviously not a great class from Louisville, but I think what um what Satterfield was able to do in a short period of time was was pretty decent,
1: yeah yeah i mean he he's working with a limited deck here and and you can see that. Um, you would expect a huge change in these recruiting rankings next year as long as louisville doesn't have a disaster on the football field um in twenty nineteen but this was kind of a lost class for him and the fact that he was able to salvage a couple decent pieces is is something to hang his hat on
0: yeah so the uh thirteenth rated team in according to e s p n if you actually if you look at uh 247 it is the number ninth rated team but for my purposes we'll go by espn uh georgia tech um they landed the 60th rated class overall and obviously with the new jeff collins era in in town um there was a number of 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 needs that they needed to address just from a quarterback standpoint from an offensive Mm -hmm. line from a running back from a wide receiver you know, specifically on that offensive side of the ball. So, um, you know, they didn't really bring in any top-level recruits. I don't think they had any four-stars. You know, maybe a running back, depending on what rankings you're looking at, in uh, Jemias Griffin, I believe is how you say it, from Rome, Georgia. Um, So he is probably their uh, highest-rated recruit. And, you know, they did bring in a couple quarterbacks. They brought in – you north carolina fans are gonna remember this tj yates his (laughs) nephew is uh actually committed to the school so um you know i wasn't overwhelmed with this class i think it was decent they got a bunch of skill level players couple of athletes uh jordan yates is uh the guy i was thinking of dual threat quarterback out of uh, alpharetta georgia so um That's that's someone I'd be looking out for. He's a three star prospect. I think he was the 18th overall rated dual threat quarterback in the class. So um, who knows if he'll be able to play right away. But um, I think the quarterback competition Georgia Tech's wide open.
1: Yeah, It is. And, you know, they they're going to be another team that's going to take a year or two to turn it around and sort of establish an identity after having one that was so entrenched for so many years and ingrained in that entire roster. I will say, uh, one of my sleepers for this class, if you can consider a guy who's a borderline four-star a sleeper, is Jamia Griffin, Griffin, um, a guy from Rome, Georgia, that just set all kinds of records in high, or in high school, coming up with a absolutely dominant high school football team, um, An all-purpose back, about 5'10", 5'11", around the 200-pound weight mark, um, can run in between tackles, can bounce it outside, really, really good piece, he was a late flip not really a flip because he was committed to NC State for a long time, decommitted about a week and a half ago, and committed to Georgia Tech. Um, his brother currently plays for uh, Virginia Tech. He's got a great bloodline. All of his brothers, I believe, are, are playing Division One college football. So, um, big time bloodlines there, and and he's the best of the bunch. And I, you know, I expect great things from him. So, I think that was a huge get for Georgia Tech there at the buzzer.
0: Yeah, so next up in the ACC, we've got the Syracuse Orange, and I was pretty disappointed with the overall level of talent they got. I mean, they got a number of three stars. I mean, that's pretty much all they have um, as far as what's coming in, but didn't land any of the top-level recruits. I think one of the issues with Syracuse is, you know, the facilities just are not impressive. Um, It's cold. It's not really in a – great college. To, I mean, n- nothing against Syracuse. I shouldn't say that. I've never been. But um, it's uh, it's just not an attractive place to play football, to be honest. And no,
1: it's, it's one not. of the
0: things they're going to have to work through. So Dino Babers is really going to have to coach these guys up. Their highest rated recruit is Lee Pogba out mm-hmm. of uh, Winston-Salem, North Carolina, actually. He is an outside right. linebacker, pretty good size. And then um, the second rated prospect that they got is also a linebacker mikhail jones out of Bradenton, florida and then uh you know they loaded up on defense in the top level of their or of their uh, recruiting class and then cornelius nunn was the uh highest rated safety that they landed number 39 overall out of miami florida so uh defense seems to be what they kind of focused on here they've got um a couple of skill positions filled in on the offensive side of the ball a uh, number of offensive linemen so kind of just loading up on key areas areas of need but again nothing uh nothing too exciting for the orange
1: yeah and Lee pogba i guess you could say i'm not i'm not sure if that's pronouncing right feels like the k should be silent um Big-time linebacker out of North Carolina, was a top-20 player in the state, and North Carolina keeps pumping out good high school talent. Committed to Syracuse over some big names, you know, West Virginia, Florida State. Uh, Good pull from them. I was a little surprised that they didn't do better on the trail given the performances they had this year, and that's just not a good sign for the program that you can't capitalize on the recruiting trail when you have that kind of momentum. Like you said, not to be too judgmental or, or cast aspersions against Syracuse, but um, you know, playing football inside of a dome in in New York, upstate New York, with you know, fan support is great, but there's still some empty seats. It's 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 a tough sell, and I think. that's that's where Dino Babers genius as a coach is going to have to come in and make sure he's getting the right guys for his system to keep that train rolling because he does have momentum there and I think he is a fantastic coach so um, unfortunate to see that not translate into a higher recruiting class but um, yeah they they did load up on defense and um, we certainly know Dino Babers can put an effective offense on the field so uh, yeah Syracuse hopefully you'll see some of that momentum uh, in the 2020 recruiting class.
0: Yeah, so a team that did uh, surprise me a little bit, Boston College, and their big recruit was the ESPN 300 quarterback, Sam Johnson. Mm -hmm. Number 11 overall from a pocket passer standpoint. He's 6'4", 191. You know, kind of fits that mold of uh, what was the Boston College quarterback a few years ago that transferred to east carolina was it dominique davis was that his name
1: yes he mm-hmm.
0: reminds me of him a little bit just in the the way that he is built and some of the game tape that i've watched you know he he is considered a pocket passer but he can move out of the pocket yeah, certainly um, can. and he's uh you know that's a fairly large get for boston college that um hasn't had a lot to say at the quarterback position since matt ryan really left that program so Um, definitely something to watch there. Uh, they also got a nice four-star running back in, uh, Patrick Garwo. Um, and, uh, they got seven on the, uh, seven guys on the defensive side of the ball. Um, a number of defensive linemen. So, uh, Boston College loading up defensively, fitting that Steve Adazio mold. Steve Adazio needs to win this year, so I don't know if any of these guys are going to help him right away, um, specifically Sam Johnson, but, something to watch as uh, spring and then summer practices come to light.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, You know, for Boston College to get a good uh, pro-style quarterback that can sling it, always a good thing. I mean, if you're a running back and you want to see some success and run behind a well-coached offensive line, I think going to Boston College makes great sense. Garwo, again, another one of those guys who's, smaller on the height side, but, you know, certainly well-built and a guy who can run in between the tackles, again, which is what you're going to want to do with uh, Boston College. And then, uh, you know, they got a great name and an in, in, in outside linebacker named Shitta Silla. So look for him to make big plays. With a name like that, you're not going to come in and, and be mediocre. Um, also, Shitta with great size, too, was a top 20 recruit out of Middletown, New Jersey. Um, Coming in at 6'4", 215, add some weight in the Boston College strength program and and coming off the edge, he should be pretty pretty decent in the pass rush. So not bad from Boston College. Obviously, you like the fact that their recruiting class is bookended uh, by a quarterback and a running back. Um, You like to see those combinations, and if they can get the running game going, um and keep that you know that's what they're known for keep that going but add a quarterback who can you know throw it a little more than they're used to seeing I think that would be a great winning combination so I thought it was a good recruiting class not highly rated um you know but sometimes that happens classes on the smaller side so that's always going to be a little hard to compete with but all in all I didn't think it was as bad as maybe uh the ratings bore it out to be I thought they got some good pieces
0: yeah there's there's quite a drop-off between 247's rating and uh, ESPN's so ESPN has Boston College rated at 56 I think 247's got them much lower than that Um, but you know like I said at the end of the day it doesn't really matter you got these guys now go coach them up see what happens Uh, the last team According to ESPN, that's outside of the top 50 for the ACC, is the Wake Forest Demon Deacons. And I don't know what it is with Wake Forest over the last couple of years, but they have been able to pull in some talented wide receivers. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> this year they've got two four-stars. They're only two four-stars that are both wide receivers. And Donovan Green and Nolan Grulux. So Nolan are,
1: is so good. I love the yeah, name. Yeah,
0: so Nolan is... uh is uh he's fairly small in stature 5'11 185 but he um he's 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 a guy that might play right away especially with that Greg Dorch leaving early um so we'll see what happens there in uh in Winston-Salem but those are two guys that really stood out and you know one thing I noticed is how well that they uh recruited the Carolinas so you know Wake Forest oh, yeah. is a smaller uh a smaller program obviously but you know they pulled in five kids from North Carolina, three from Georgia, three from South Carolina, three from Virginia. So they really kind of uh honed in on that that area of the country and uh pulled in some nice talent. So
1: yeah, I mean I I really like Nolan, um a guy who was at uh Army All-American um you know had some offers some pretty big time offers Wisconsin Nebraska programs like that local to the area and once in Salem coming out of Davidson um he's going to be one to watch you know if you're talking about positions where you can come in and have an immediate impact as a freshman wide receiver is, is almost tops on the list um and yeah i mean wake in those smaller wide receivers has been their bread and butter uh you know with those guys that are dynamic in space and, and able to get open much like greg dorch was Um, kind of see Nolan fitting into that same mold. Quick, um, a guy that seems to run really fantastic routes from his film. Uh, It'll be interesting to see what he can do. And I think you know, with Newman at quarterback, Wake's going to be a team to to watch this coming year. I think uh, you know the 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 ceiling is higher than it has been for Wake Forest moving into next year.
0: Yeah, I mean, I certainly don't think they're going to be competing for any kind of. Conference title, but they're definitely oh, no. a team that no, no, will uh, they'll be able to surprise you if you're not if you're not ready. Yeah,
1: I, so. I, I could see Wake at eight wins next year, and for Wake, that's that's saying something.
0: Uh, so the first team to crack the top fifty in the ACC is the Pitt Panthers, and uh, you know, ninth rated class in the uh, in the conference. Nothing that really blows you away, um, you know they, they, what they did was really kind of fill some areas of need. They got a couple of good defensive backs and Brandon Hill, AJ Woods, Um, you know, they added a couple running backs and, you know, Pitt is essentially running back you. So Daniel Carter will be something to watch. I'm not sure if Vincent Davis will stay at running back or if he'll be more of a, uh, you know, Tariq Cohen type of player where he's just moving all around the field. Uh, But that's something to watch there. I also want to point out that The highest-rated prospect in their class is Davis Bevel out of uh, Greenville, South Carolina, and Mm -hmm. he is a quarterback, which they kind of need, if you ask me. So um, he is the 22nd-rated pro-style quarterback in the country. Um, So, again, not too much to get excited about here, but this was one of those classes that really kind of filled some areas of need, but at the same time, like, I don't think – going to put Pitt into any conversations of competing at a higher level anytime soon.
1: I don't think so either. Uh, Davis Bevel is going to be a fun guy to watch. You know, as a pro-style quarterback, he's got great size at 6'6". He's going to be able to see the entire field. What sets him apart from other similar pro-style quarterbacks of that size is his ability to run. You know, he's he's got 4'8 in the 40, which is fantastic for that size and was, you know, decent at rushing in high school. Um, You know, that's not what you expect from a pro-style quarterback coming out. Um, I saw him, and he really popped in the Shrine game, North Carolina versus South Carolina, was named MVP of that game, um, basically an all-star game between the state of North Carolina and South Carolina, all the big-name prospects play in it. So he's going up against fairly decent competition, given the uh, the quality of recruit that come out of North Carolina. Um, so for him to take home that MVP was a big deal, and I think he's a great, honestly, a great signing by Pitt there. So that that's one you're going to want to keep an eye on moving forward.
0: So moving on, we've got the Duke Blue Devils as the number 42 class in the country. And, uh, you know, if you had said that 10, 15 years ago, I would have just laughed at you. But (laughs) that is a pretty good class for Duke. You're not really going to see them get too much higher than that. Um, But, uh, you know, they did a really good job, I think, of addressing the defensive line in this class. Uh, They added a bunch of guys, Ahmad Craig, Christian Rory, R.J. Oban, Dwayne Carter. So um, that was a major area of need Something else they did was their only four star was Tony Davis, or he was at least their highest rated recruit. Um, No ESPN 300s, but again, just a solid class for Duke. Um, They're just a team that continues to kind of, you know, tread water. I'm not going to say that they're not necessarily like the most competitive team every year, but they're certainly a team that you need to prepare for.
1: Yeah. And like you said, filling needs was, was really what this was all about. Um, I think they've done that on the defensive line. Uh, also Jacob Monk, a guy that's fairly highly rated in their recruiting class. Again, it's a three-star but a highly rated three-star coming out of Corinth holders in Wendell, North Carolina. Um, you know, just great size for my guard, six, 300 film looks really good. Um, just, I love the offensive lineman. I, I think that's where you build your success in these recruiting classes. Is is how you're able to recruit that offensive line position. Um, and, and size and, and and strength, as you know, pays off. And and these guys, they may not be playing as freshmen, um, but guys like Jacob Monk are going to make a big impact for Duke's program. Um, so yeah, filling needs, and that's what you always want to see. Like you said, it's just crazy to see Duke. Uh, getting recruiting classes this high, given what we were used to for the past 15 years.
0: So the University of Virginia comes in at number seven, and, uh, you know, they did land one ESPN 300 commit with the ninth overall rated defensive tackle in Jawan Briggs, uh, out of Ohio, nonetheless. And, uh, you know, something that seems to be a trend for, you know, the Wahoos these days is... uh, recruiting international players and they didn't just recruit one this year they're bringing in three okay (laughs) so we can officially say university of virginia is beating virginia tech on the recruiting trail in europe so there's a win for you uh wahoo fans Uh, so congratulations uh you know they brought in luke wince who is a quarterback the 37th rated uh, pro style quarterback in the country. He is the first player to sign a with a Power Five school that is a European born player, or I should say, first European born quarterback to sign with the Power Five yeah. school. Yeah. So I was going to
1: ask you if that had ever happened because that stood out to me as strange.
0: Yeah. So they. Don't know if that will actually pan out for him. If it doesn't, they like his size enough to where wide receiver tight end could be an option. But that wasn't the only European guy they brought in. They also brought in a offensive guard in Kareem Al Sufay out of Germany, and then uh, a defensive tackle in Emil Bo Anderson from Denmark. So they went heavy on the international recruits. They still have the 40th rated class. I think that's playing with fire a little bit. I mean, you're sitting in a pretty hot recruiting bed in uh, the state of Virginia, in um, at least the uh, Atlantic coast. Um, so, I mean, some of those guys are long shots, but hey, maybe it'll work out. I don't know. I just, I don't think I would have uh, tried to stretch that far.
1: Yeah, and, you know, I mean, Luke Wentz comes from the infamous Paderborn Dolphins, so he comes in with a, a very... Very prestigious pedigree. Um, It'll be interesting to see what he's able to do transitioning over from playing quarterback in Europe. Um, I imagine the talent level that he's used to playing against is going to be much, much, much different than the one he's going to face. Even during spring practice, uh, going up against the uh, second team defense there at UVA. Um, No knock on Germany, obviously. Uh, It's just not their sport. But, you know, the the one thing I did notice, what was that?
0: The, the Paderborn Dolphins are back-to-back national champions, so oh, well maybe, see, I maybe you, you should show them a little bit of respect.
1: You put some respect on the Dolphins' name. I hear you. And knowing that, I will proceed differently moving forward. The Paderborn Dolphins deserve your respect. What I did notice when I was looking at Virginia's commitments earlier today was that Mike London, there was many things you could <laughs> knock him for. Recruiting was not <laughs> exactly London. one of them. Um, What he did extremely well in recruiting, I thought, was hammer the Tidewater area of Virginia, which is just a fantastic, fantastic recruiting ground in the southeast. Um, Not a lot of Tidewater happening on this commitment list. And if I was a UVA fan, I would really hope that's something they try to rectify moving forward.
0: Yeah, but, uh, you know, Powderborn back-to-back national titles, uh, probably a four team league. Congratulations. Um but yeah, you know, Mike London, I certainly miss that guy. Um Oh, we all like do. Like you said, he was a pretty solid recruiter. He just, you know, the coaching part seemed to kind of be a little bit more challenging for him. But uh let's move on to the North Carolina Tar Heels and I think um a few things to talk about here. You know, one When Mac Brown took over this job, they were, I think, like 108th overall as far as recruiting class. And, uh, you know, he did a massive turnaround by the time that the early signing period had ended. And to finish with the sixth best class in the ACC, number 37 in the country, according to ESPN, Uh, that is a pretty huge accomplishment. Oh, yeah. One of the guys that really helped him turn that tide and really kind of hurt Florida State was uh, flipping Sam Howell, which happened uh, before the early signing period, or at the early signing period, I should say. And uh, he is their highest-rated recruit, uh, four-star quarterback, And uh, from North Carolina, so he's an in-state guy. So that is a definite win for them. They were also able to flip a uh, Penn State commit in Emory Simmons. And uh, they were also able to get um, a couple of other ESPN 300 guys. Um, So I think North Carolina went from having a horrendous class to a pretty good one. Um, yeah, especially when Brown came in in December and had limited time to work with that early signing period.
1: Yeah, I, th- I think it was important, um, you know, address and eat, obviously quarterback, huge need there at UNC um, and getting just guys back in the hopper for them is huge. And, and Max seemingly has done that. Uh, you know, Tristan Miller was another guy they pulled from NC State, who I thought was really good potential at offensive uh, tackle. Uh, 6'6", 275. Kind of ideal side size for a guy that you want to mold into a right tackle. Um, Eugene Asante today uh, really looked like a Virginia Tech lean until the last minute. Um, ended up committing to UNC outside linebacker who's a little undersized right now at 210-ish pounds. Um, but he's a guy athletically that could just really be an impact player on that defense. And um, yeah, always a good thing when you have your number one and number two recruits as a quarterback and a wide receiver. So Khafre Brown and Sam Howell probably making noise in the ACC sooner rather than later. And I just wanted to point out, um, I love guys that are just freaking enormous. That's one of my favorite things in college football It's just when you get those absurdly huge size guys. Uh, UNC Poole is one of those down in Wisdom Asaburo. Um, at a Covenant Day school in Matthews, North Carolina. 6'8, 280 as a defensive tackle.
0: Yeah, that's uh that's huge. And he was a guy who signed today. So um that was a big uh a big win for the Tar Heels. Um one of their in state uh rivals, NC State, comes in at number five in the ACC, national rank of thirty one. Um they uh they had a pretty good class and they continued to track or to attract top rated defensive line talent. Uh both of their ESPN three hundred recruits were on the D line, Savion Jackson and CJ Clark. I'll let you take this one. What were your initial thoughts?
1: Great class. Uh just Dave Dorn continued to do what Dave Dorn has done recently and that's recruit fairly well. Um, He's shown since he got to NC State that he would be able to pull in those top 40 classes that you'll need to consistently get to kind of be where NC State wants to be. Um, Not competing for titles, obviously, but right below it. Um, And maybe hitting one out of every four years, making a real push at it. Uh, But this is a great class. It's got some great pieces. The defensive line is NC State's bread and butter um, you know, the draft picks that they're turning out in the NFL have just been really a great selling point for any any defensive lineman in state looking to come to NC State and make an impact. Savion Jackson, CJ Clark looks to look to continue that mold, obviously. Uh, my favorite recruit on that defensive line is Joshua Harris out of Roxboro, North Carolina. 6'2, 325, and 325 is probably an underestimate there. He's absolutely enormous. Gonna fill that nose tackle role for NC State, the run stuffer of the line. Um, and with NC State losing Andreas Bryant there in the middle of that line, he's going to slot right in. Um, you know, and Zonovan Knight out of uh, Rocky Mountain, North Carolina, really, really, really dynamic running back. Uh, I look for him to make an impact too at a spot where NC State really needs production with Reggie Glassby graduating. Um, where they're going to get some points out of that backfield is, is, is going to be a question moving forward. Um, you know, but I thought just a pretty good class uh, for NC State, all things considered. Another Dave Doran recruiting class.
0: Uh, So, fourth in the ACC, we've got the Miami Hurricanes, and uh, they've had a really interesting offseason, obviously. Uh, They had barely cracked the top 40 with Mark Richt in December, and then, you know, Manny Diaz deciding he was going to leave for Temple started to hurt them a little bit, but then he came back and he was able to retain some of those guys that were going to leave. You know, today they had a big. Big commitment from Christian Williams, who signed with Miami over uh, LSU and Texas A&M, and he was uh, at one point in Alabama commit. So that was a big win. You know Miami's also been very heavy on the grad transfer route. You know they've got guys like Tate Martell, uh, JUCO safety Bubba Bolden. They've got a Buffalo grad transfer in KJ Osborne. They were able to persuade uh, current wide receiver Jeff Thomas to stay and not transfer. It seems like Trayvon Hill from Virginia Tech is going to sign. He signed a financial aid agreement there, but he can technically do that anywhere. Um, He is not officially under scholarship yet. So even if uh, you're not overly excited by their class, I mean, I would be if I was a Miami fan. I don't really care if I've had really good recruiting classes in the past decade. Uh, It hasn't worked out. So the fact that this is... You know, one of the lowest classes they they've had since 2011. Um, I think it's really more of a positive with the guys that with the guys that they've brought in. So um, I don't know what your initial reactions are, but I felt like it was a pretty good uh, start for Manny Diaz with how the uh, with how he came into the position.
1: Yeah, I did too. A great start for Manny, and just imagine if he starts to get results that reflect uh, you know what Miami fans are hoping to see. You know, all it's going to take is another 10 win season to to let everyone get the feel goods again with with Manny, and he'll be off rolling. And I'm not so sure being upset with the level of this recruiting class is really something that should be affecting Miami. I mean, three of the top four recruits are on you know on the, in the secondary, and and you're going to have guys like Christian Williams, Keontra Smith, and Jason Blissett uh, to Corey Couch on that defense and they're recruiting hard, and, and that is Manny Diaz's sweet spot. So that you're getting all the pieces that you need to just have a really dominant defense, and I think that's just really where you want to be if you're a Miami fan. Wouldn't wouldn't let this recruiting class get you down in the dumps. As a matter of fact, I, I really like a lot of the players in this class, um, none more than their Australian punter, Lewis Headley, uh, who is a 6'4". He looks to be about 220. Um, and covered head to toe in tattoos, it seems so um he's gonna be the gnarliest looking punter in the league.
0: yeah, if you haven't seen this guy, he looks like your worst nightmare he's <laughs> he's six four he's two hundred and fifteen pounds he's got tats up to his tongue basically he's he's they're they're just everywhere he's like he's an Aussie rules football player he's twenty four years old, like this dude. If if he was a linebacker, I'd be very worried. He's a punter, and I'm still not really sure I want to go at him. So, uh, yeah, that is uh quite the intimidation factor they have going on there. I mean, I've never really seen a more you recruit than that guy, to be honest. No,
1: no, I mean it's the most Miami punter. It's like they created a Miami punter in a in a lab somewhere out in Miami, Florida.
0: You know, what, crazy. you know what I wish he played? I wish he was their quarterback.
1: Oh, yeah. I hope oh, he yeah.
0: rubs off on Martell and, like, Martell comes out in, you know, spring practice and he's just got tats all over his neck, <laughs> you know, all the way down to his toes. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. It would, no, just, it would uh, just
0: be so perfect for, it, for the year. It'd be
1: great. It'd be great. And this guy is going to be their safety valve on all the punt returns and um, he, looking at his pictures he looks like he can hit pretty hard so I'm going to be really really interested to see if we have any 50 yard punt returns that end in just targeting calls with this guy
0: yeah so he's he's on my all ACC preseason uh preseason team um for sure and probably will not be removed from that spot until he graduates so
1: no and I don't even care how he punts he's staying there
0: Moving up to the Hokies, who come in number three on the ACC recruiting classes. Uh, they were a big mover today. Uh, Doug Nestor was a ESPN 300 offensive lineman, a big-time prospect, number 72-rated prospect in the country, number two in the state of West Virginia, six foot seven, 320 pounds, highest-rated offensive line recruit in school history, Um, you know size physicality is his huge asset hopefully this is a guy that ends up at left tackle starting next year and stays there for four years this was a uh, huge get for the Hokies um, especially with an offensive line that needed some help and then to go ahead and add Brian Hudson to that mix who would have been the highest rated offensive line recruit in school history if it hadn't been for Doug Nestor they literally got the two highest rated recruits at that position ever in the same class. So, uh, this guy, 6'4, 295, he's most likely going to play guard and uh, he's known for his physicality of play. Some of the other guys that are of note uh, the Hokies really address their receiving core here. So, um, they got a couple of guys, Jaden Peyote, uh, the number 18 athlete in the country. Most likely going to play wide receiver. Big physical fast. He could be on the field right away. Jacob Kinney oh, yeah. is another guy to look out for. And then uh, a guy that I like, four-star running back, Deshaun King. So yes. I hope he's got a spot open at running back, so we'll see what happens there.
1: Yeah, dynamic class. I mean, this is so impressive given the tumultuous offseason that Virginia Tech had last year, had this year, the, the losing season. It's a testament to this coaching staff's recruiting ability and ability in general that they were able to piece together what I thought was a thoroughly impressive recruiting class that addressed uh, uh, needs, period, needs everywhere, playmaking needs, offensive line needs. You know, Jesse Hansen is another one of those offensive linemen who I feel like is underrated coming out of Lord Botetot High School in Daleville, Virginia. I think he's another guy that, that you really need to look out for as far as his development down the road. Um, J.R. Walker out of Clayton, North Carolina, hoping he can continue the uh, the legacy of, of good safety play at Virginia Tech. And, um, you know, a lot of guys that could come in day one, like Deshaun King, like you mentioned, and really knock it out of the park. King is somebody I'm really interested to see at running back because of his dynamic playmaking ability. Um, I really think he can be a home run threat running at running back that we really haven't had at Virginia Tech in a while. Um, you know, runs that four five forty, the four two six in the shuttle, so he's shifty, he's quick, he's got a David Wilson esque thirty-seven inch vertical. Um and we'll see what he can do, but man, I, I just I can't say enough about this Virginia Tech class and how how much it was needed giving all of the noise surrounding the program this year.
0: Yeah, so you know it's a good uh it's a good kind of ending to a tumultuous few months um for the Hokies so we'll see what happens there they got some guys coming in early for spring practice summer practice will be here before we know it we'll see what happens but they're going to go into uh they're going to go into spring with the two quarterback competition and Willis and Patterson so um, I don't expect anybody else to kind of come up out of uh instead of those two jumping up to the number two rated class in the country or ACC, I should say. Florida State, number 19 overall. Uh, 10 out of their 19 commits are from the ESPN 300, but kind of a weird recruiting class, if you ask me. Uh, you know, they lost the quarterback to UNC, and they just decided not to bring in another one. And so, basically, you know, James Blackman is the guy uh, by default because there's nobody to really compete with him. Right. Um, so, and this is the second year in a row they haven't recruited a quarterback. Um, So I'm not sure what is going on with Willie Taggart. I mean, that seems to be kind of like a big deal if he's the offensive guru and the head coach that he's not recruiting quarterbacks. I'd have uh, major questions if I was a Florida State fan. Uh, That being said, their prize recruit is really um, cornerback Akeem Dent. He's the number 10 overall cornerback in the country. One thing to note is nine out of the 10 ESPN 300 recruits for Florida State were all on the defensive side of the ball. The only non-defensive player was uh, offensive guard Dante Lucas. So uh, that is, uh, you know, not necessarily a bad thing, but what really killed Florida State this year was offense, and they didn't seem to address some of the key areas in, in this class.
1: Yeah, that surprised me. I mean, I love the Florida State class on paper. They have playmakers coming in on defense in a way that you can just see being such a pain to deal with. Florida State really always has those athletes on that side of the ball. Um, you know, defensive speed has always been their calling card and I don't see that changing. But not getting a quarterback. E- even if this was a case of missing on the couple of the guys you targeted, not getting a warm body at quarterback this year as a scholarship player with everything that's gone on is just inconceivable to me and unless they're going to come out and sign two juco players in between now and the start of the season I I, I don't know what they're thinking one okay you're going to get decent quarterback play out of Blackman you kind of know what you're getting with him but there's no real competition to push him now in the offseason and if he gets injured what is your plan then a strange recruiting class but again on paper I absolutely love it outside of the fact that it's missing the most important position on the football field.
0: Yeah, so I've got a lot of questions for Florida State and Willie Taggart. I, uh, I'm i not really sure what he's doing from an offensive standpoint, but uh, we'll find out sooner or later, or he'll find out if it's not acceptable. So uh, moving on, a little bit of a wild card before we get to the number one team in the ACC. We've got Notre Dame. Um Wanted to highlight them just because they're kind of a ACC team but kind of not. But they had a really strong class in the trenches. Uh, they had eight ESPN 300 guys that were on either the mm-hmm. offensive defensive side of the line or defensive side of the ball. Um, so they had uh, the defensive unit led by Jacob Lacy, a big 6'3", 287-pound defensive tackle. And then um, from an offensive line standpoint, three tackles and a center. Notre Dame has been churning out offensive linemen for a long time now. So, oh, uh, it, that just continues to be a factory. And then, um, you know, they signed Isaiah Foskey today to um, as one of their larger pass rushers. And uh, just a little shout-out near my hometown. Uh, they bring in a... Dual threat quarterback and Brendan Clark, six foot two, two hundred thirteen pounds, out of Manchester High School in Midlothian, Virginia, uh, which go. is pretty much where I'm from. So, uh, number twenty dual threat quarterback in the country. So, I feel like Notre Dame had a very, very solid class. I think they're hovering around the fourteenth in the fourteenth uh, rated class in the country right now. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. looking up for the Fighting Irish.
1: Good class from them, and, you know, they're getting to the point now where we can almost call them O-L-U uh, with how well they're putting out just fantastic offensive linemen. This class leads me to believe that's not changing. I do love names, so I just wanted to give a shout-out to Nana Osafo-Mensa out of Fort Worth, Texas. He's clearly going to be the best player on that defense for years to come.
0: No, absolutely, absolutely. Um, so, obviously, you know, the top-rated class in the country, no surprise here clemson tigers they had 29 commits most ever by a dabo Sweeney class 12 in the espn 300 um you know dabo was interviewed earlier today just about his class and you know what he had to say is you know they're looking for guys that fit their culture you know we're probably never going to get the top rated recruit or the top rated class you know this is probably their ninth straight top 15 class in a row um you know, they feel that they're the best in the country at evaluating, at evaluating talent. And, uh, you know, what they did is they went and restocked that defensive line. They brought in five defensive linemen. They got the number three overall uh, cornerback in the draft in Andrew Booth. Number five wide receiver in Frank Latson Jr. Number seven defensive tackle. Number 13 cornerback. Number four offensive guard. So, I mean, they just loaded up. And uh, it's kind of what you expect from Clemson at this point. Uh, this was good for the 10th-rated class in the country, and uh, business as usual for the Tigers. I uh, I expect big things for them next year, the year after, the year after that, as yeah. long as Dabo Sweeney's there, basically.
1: Yeah, I mean they're setting up to just again the consistency and, and sustained success is going to be there. You don't have to do too much reading into the tea leaves to see it. I did think that Ladson and Nada, uh, two great wide receivers they pulled, were both just incredible talents. And you're going to have them torching teams split out wide on the outside. Both of them run in that 6 3 range as far as height goes. Typical Clemson down the field playmaker that we're so used to seeing. Um, those guys with height that they love. Again, uh, just filled in needs, uh, stocked up on talent where you know there weren't even <laughs> necessarily needs, um, but just getting guys that again fit Dabo's mold. And if you're going to build and have sustained success, uh, getting guys that buy into your program and fit what you're looking for is more important, I think, than sheer talent. Um, and Dabo's certainly proven to be a guy that's able to uh, you know zoom zone in on those guys and and really know what his wheelhouse is as far as what he's looking at and um, as as far as these guys he wants to be clemson tigers and you know i just i just thought this class was fantastic obviously it's number one um but you can't say enough good things about dabo and what he's done there in clemson and you know this class just further proves that
0: so this was the second year in a row that clemson had the top rated class in the conference The only other school to have it in back to back years was Florida State, and they did it from 2009 to 2017. So they held that reign for quite a while. But um, that is the ACC overview. So just to recap, we've got Clemson at one, Florida State at two, Virginia Tech, Miami, and NC State rounding out the top five. Then you got UNC, UVA, Duke, Georgia Tech, Syracuse to round out the top 10. And then eleven through fourteen it's Wake Pitt, Boston College, and Louisville. so a pretty solid class or a pretty solid class overall for all a c c schools. um We'll see what happens over the next few years. Uh, see how these players plan out but uh one last thing I wanted to touch on was uh you know kids with famous parents. So I always think that's a uh, an interesting thing to watch. Oh, yeah. Um, so we've got a three-star South Carolina cornerback commit named Shiloh Sanders. He's the son of former NFL Hall of Famer Deion Sanders. There you go. Uh, Joey Porter Jr. I think that's pretty obvious. He's going to uh, <laughs> Penn State. He's a cornerback. And then um, I think the third and fourth. Final McCaffrey brother, there might be another one. I'm not sure. Luke McCaffrey, he is going to Nebraska, four-star quarterback. Uh, I believe that's where his dad played, uh, Ed McCaffrey. So um, Christian is obviously in uh, NFL. Dylan was a wide receiver at Duke, um, and played for the for the Packers for a little bit in the NFL. Uh, Three-star Houston quarterback signee Logan Holgerson. Um, Why that's notable? Well, his dad's the head coach. Then we've got Dino Tomlin going to Maryland, son of Pittsburgh Steelers (laughs) head coach Mike Tomlin. There you go. And then Oregon running back Cross Patton. Not a super familiar sounding last name. Oh, well, he's the son of Outcast rapper Big Boy. So, There you go.
1: Oh, that is immediately my guy. That's my guy.
0: Yeah. Well, he's a walk-on, so uh, doesn't matter. Maybe Heisman Watch 2020. I'm I'm just, I'm just saying. Heisman Watch
1: 2020.
0: Think he might have bought his way onto the team.
1: Hell, he's gonna be spotty, oddy, alicious I can guarantee it. You know what? Honor Outcast's good name and Big Boy's good name with his play in the Pacific Northwest.
0: I'm putting Oregon on probation. (laughs) <laughs> you can't you can't pay players, but you can pay to be on the team. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. you're on probation.
1: You're right. <laughs> oh man. That's good. No, I love that. I'm I'm big into the uh children of famous uh people and uh former professional athletes. So all good. All good in my book and, and very interested to see what the potential final McCaffrey has to offer there in Nebraska.
0: Yeah, I mean, he's he's the big name on this list. Like he is a legit quarterback recruit. So, we will uh we'll see. I mean, he could literally go into Nebraska next year and be the starting quarterback, so um wow. that'll be something to watch, but unless you got anything else, Tim, that is our show for today. This was our National Signing Day special. Um we will be coming to you again uh Monday for all of the latest news around ACC football and basketball happenings around the conference. Uh, If you'd like, and if you don't mind, Tim, why don't you go ahead and tell everybody what they should do when they
1: listen to this podcast. You should tell your friends. You should hit that like button. You should give us a review. Five stars is probably the most acceptable review and the most... uh... You know, I would say ideal review for us. If you'd like to leave four stars, that is also fine. Anything below than four, we ask that you not rate us um, and just harbor that ill will towards us internally. Um, Other than that, just share the podcast with everyone you can um, and go back through our backlog, listen to some old episodes, uh, you know, and we'll continue to put out good episodes for you moving forward uh, once a week on Mondays. um, And then any other time we see the need for a special episode, we'll get one out.
0: Yep, and you can also listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play Store, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, and Spotify. Go visit us at chowderandgrits.com. Tweet us at chowderandgrits. Like us on Facebook at chowderandgrits. I think you're getting the gist. Our name is Chowder and Grits. That was our show. National Signing Day. It's over. Let's see what happens. Spring football is around the corner. I'm pretty excited to hear that.
1: I'm excited to hear that too as well, Justin. I can't wait. Uh, The only sad thing is that spring forward means that we're going to like dormant all summer. um, But we know what we need to look forward to now, getting uh, these recruits from the class of 2019 in. That's it for this fantastic recruiting episode. And as usual, we'll leave you guys with a Go ACC!